This might be the best quarterback draft class in years, and we have huge franchises like Chicago, New England, and Washington with a ton on the line. My name is Craig Horlbeck, and I host the Ringer NFL Draft Show with Danny Kelly, Ben Solak, and Danny Heifetz. We cover trades, free agency, the draft, obviously, everything. We'll tell you all about which quarterbacks are going to be good, which quarterbacks are going to be bad, like Kenny Pickett, and if there's a diamond in the rough, like Brock Purdy. Follow us at the Ringer NFL Draft Show on Spotify. It's the Ringer NBA show presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here, and you can bet on the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all in one page. Plus, start betting on the Explorer page and the Pulse and bet live same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gambling. Please visit theringer.com backslash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 years and older and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com backslash RG. This episode is brought to you by Sonic. Fuel up for game day and any day, really, at Sonic for a limited time. You can get the new $1.99 Sonic Crispy Tender Wraps. And trust me, you don't want to miss out. A crispy chicken tender and bold flavors like hickory barbecue and cheesy Baja. Crisp lettuce and melty cheese that make the perfect bite. So go get yourself some TLC, some tender love and chicken. And buy a $1.99 Sonic Crispy Chicken Tender Wrap today. Tax not included. Limited time only at participated Sonic drive-ins. Bobbin, World Ones, Logan Murdoch here, Raja Bell there. Raja, um, as soon as he gets on the call, is like, fuck it, let's go. He has shit to do today. He doesn't give a fuck about this pod anymore. Wow. Um, we're, wow. We're just, you know, he says, I'm in and out. Let's do it. Mm. Let's get the fuck on. Let's do this. You know? You know, I'm this, not one for small talk. This is Thursday talk. Real Ones. Never been one for small talk. You're not one for small talk, but you are there for long talk. You do talk for a long time when you do get in a bag, though. I Once I get that. going, you yes. Get... If I'm passionate, if I'm passionate about something, I I can get going. Um, but if I'm not passionate about it and I don't care about it, I'm not going to waste many syllables on it. So you'd be like, you'd be like, yeah, that's what's up, or yep. that's cool. or let's get this shit going because I got to go. Okay, let's get this shit going. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so last night wound up being just like the return night for everybody, right? Mm-hmm. This was the this was the night where Dame returned to Portland Bucks, Portland Trailblazers. That was the nightcap, and then uh, you know before that, the little matinee was uh, was Suns Nets when Kevin Durant went back to mm-hmm. Brooklyn. And there was a difference in the responses, right? There was a difference in um, how Brooklyn responded to KD in the four tumultuous years that he had in, in Brooklyn. They had, they still had a uh, video um, tribute to the man, and he got a, a smattering of booze, got some cheers, got all these things, uh, all everything that you could think of under the sun. And Dame got a whole minute standing ovation. Um, it's interesting just to see just the differences. Obviously, we all know the context. Anyone that listens to real ones and listens to NBA pods um, knows the, the the difference in context of why they were treated as such. But 
it was interesting just the difference. Raja, I know it's a bit more nuanced, and we're going to get into the nuance and all these things, but how should fans respond to the return of one of their favorite players or one of the best players of all time in KD's case? The appropriate response from a fan base uh, when someone has been there and, and tried their best for an extended period of time to get over the hump, even if they did or didn't get over that hump, is to celebrate them. That's the appropriate response, to give them their flowers, to show appreciation for the work put in there, no matter how it kind of comes down at the end, right? Because that doesn't discount everything that said player did for your organization, right? So what was done for Dame Lillard is what should be done. The problem with Brooklyn, as it relates to Kevin Durant, is he wasn't there very long. He wasn't there very long, um, you know, and, and it was very, very tumultuous when he was there. There was a lot going on with the organization. And to be fair, the expectations were different. The expectations for KD and Kyrie, you know, and then you add James Harden to the mix and Steve Nash is your coach. I mean, that was championship robust. We would talk about that on on the pod. And in, in, in Portland, I think their fan base realizes that while Dame was brilliant in his time there, there weren't many teams that if you're being real, um, were built to really win championships. So the fact that he didn't or he didn't get you close to it and he didn't make a finals, like you can't really just point to to Dane. There were a lot of things that went on with that and he was great. So I, two completely different scenarios, but I think if KD had been in Brooklyn for any extended period of time and, you know, had played through the adversity and didn't wind up winning a championship, but had been theirs for a longer period of time, I, I think they would have celebrated him in a more kind of uh, uh, unanimous way. It's interesting because, I mean, you're right in all of those, those things that you said. It felt like the difference between, you know, Dame's exit last uh, summer versus Kevin's uh, uh, exit two summers ago was the fact that, you know, it seemed like with Dame, Portland was like, we get it. You tried. I understand. You know, it's time for you to go on. You're never going to win a title here. It was almost like, I'm sure there were podcasts even for us where we were like, yo, Dame, please leave. Like, it's, it's time to go. Like, it's it's time to go. It's it, it's run its course. Um, whereas Kevin was, yeah, I'm here. Um, I'll, I'll bring some people. I'll bring some people along. But there wasn't that connection. You know, there just wasn't that connection to that region at all. And uh, a lot of that has to do with also, you know, just being just being quite frank. The Nets just don't matter as much in New York as, you know, they even mattered nationally to us. Um, so it would have taken a longer time, I think, for, you know, KD to just make an imprint on that, on that organization and roster and city, right? Like, even if he was with the Knicks for four years, that would have been way more dissected. It would have been, it, it would have been a lot more of a connection to that city than if it was in Brooklyn, right? But, um, it was just interesting to just to see that. And also, like, I remember I asked Kevin, one of the, uh, I think it was last year or maybe two years ago. Just one, I think I asked him when I saw him in Brooklyn, like, where do you belong? <laughs> right. Yeah. And he said, one of the things he said was, I belong to all the organizations that I've been a part of, you know, the Golden State, the OKCs, the Brooklyn, I, they all should retire my jersey and all these things. And I don't think that that's, I don't think that that's, that's something that, you know, maybe wishful thinking, but what is it? What is it when you see, 
<laughs> right? Uh, like, I feel yeah, you, right? Well, like, I mean, uh, I love Kev, but... Uh, uh, mind you, he thought that he was... Or at least he said that he was going to stay there a few more years. Like, that was the first year in his deal. When when someone is drafted by an organization, uh, that fan base connects to you in a way that that they may not if you weren't drafted there. But that's not that's not always the case. I think it's more... when you When that fan base can grow up with you, so even if you came to a franchise and you weren't drafted there, but they're a part of your ascension into kind of stardom and and into achievement, when they've watched you kind of come from wherever you started um, and and they've been a part of the journey to get to the top, and I think they connect with you in a way that it's hard for them to connect to a player that comes there for a quick stint, um, is already a superstar, might play his heart out and be really good, but then you don't really win the chip there. It's really hard for them to connect to you in that way. Where if you had been there, that's why I say he's a, for me, he connects with Oklahoma City. Like even he didn't win a championship there. That's, that's, that's where he came up. That's where he rose to, you know, Kevin Durant status, won MVP and so on and so forth. So like, it's an interesting thing because he won championships in Golden State and maybe he will do the same in Phoenix one day. But for me, he's a, he's an OKC Thunder. It's funny because he don't even talk about OKC like that, if at all. It's always, even the comments that he made about being a GOAT, the Warriors were like in all of those. Like he always brings them up for whatever reason. And maybe he has a bigger connection to Golden mm-hmm. State than than OKC and all these things. But I think even in this player empowerment era, right, where, and I think it's getting to its tail end, but because you have like the guys like on the back end right now, like Luca, who I feel like is going to be in Dallas, it seems like forever, right? Or even Ja, just the connection to that city. I feel like he'll be in Memphis forever. At least I hope that. But I think the consequence you get when your title hopping or your team hopping for a title is that you don't get that love that you think that you deserve. And you, you don't you know, you probably say statements like I'm going to get my jersey retired in Brooklyn. And that's really premature. Um, It's, it's going to be interesting to see just the next few generation and how they do it. But like, what is the balance you think in a perfect world that a player has to have when, you know, they want that connection with a city um, and, or, and they don't necessarily, and, but they also want a title. They also want, more than they also want uh, individual success and team success. What is the balance that they have to strike when they want both things simultaneously? It's very, it's very difficult to do that. Um, you know, some people are blessed to come in and have the organization that they go to be competent and have capital in a way that they can execute a plan that fits with your window as a player to be able to bring championships. Other guys aren't as lucky, right? And so there is a delicate balance in that. And sometimes you have to prioritize, you know, what do I want? Do I want to be known as a guy who stays in said place for my entire career or are championships more important? Or, you know, is financial security more important? Uh, The the platform to maybe step out of said role and, and therefore achieve more financial... Um, security is that more important, and so that there it's a balance in a career, right? Where we're talking about someone's career and trying to figure out, you know, what's what's best for you. You know, like a guy like you, Donis Haslam, for example, he achieves all of it. Do you know what I mean? Like the the financial success was there, the 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 identity a, 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 as a Heat player, Jersey retired, won championships, like it's all. But you you were blessed and with from great, Miami, well, yeah, and from Miami, like that. You you achieve something very rare, and you were blessed to find an organization that was very capable. Um, and so, 
I, I don't have the right the right answer to to what the balance is. I think it's it's not a universal thing. It's kind of case by case, like what people put stock in, and you know, it's just. I've always said it's one of those things for me that I, I wish had happened in my career. I don't have a ton of of regrets or, or or wishes. I voiced a few of them, but one of them was that I was claimable as a son or a jazz or a you know sixer. And and I think to some degree there's small pockets of those fan bases that would would identify me as one of the or the other, but not not overall not you know what i mean like that's not that's do you not fear, like, do you fear that you're for the streets roger sometimes <laughs> no I, I mean look but i i wasn't that i wasn't that level of player to be to be fair right and so that's okay but those guys who are a tier above me and are those type of players you know it's interesting like you Sean Marion for example like Sean Marion friend of the show a good friend of mine i mean a son drafted by the suns multiple all-star appearances as a son western conference finals as a son they're through multiple regimes and multiple like stars playing alongside him and then winds up going to dallas and winning championships in dallas and then he's in miami and he's in cleveland like so none of that happened for him in phoenix he was able to go you know do that but i think he identifies as a son at the end of the day and i think the sons claim him in a way that those other organizations wouldn't. And so it's really not even about like what you identify as. I mean, personally it is, but, but in terms of, uh, of, of, of what the fan identifies you as they have the voice, do they, do they claim you? And I think the sons claim tricks because they grew up with tricks. They watched right. tricks come in from UNLV and they, they, they were part of giving him the nickname. They, they went on the ride with him, even though he won his championship somewhere else. How did it feel real quick? Um, do you think, how did it feel for Phoenix to see like tricks win a championship as a map? Because that's weird. Like that was y'all rival. Y'all went to war with the maps, right? Yeah. That's like, that's like you winning the title with the, with the Spurs after just all the years with the Suns. You know what I mean? Like that's bittersweet for them. I'm sure. I mean, I, I have to imagine it's, it's bittersweet. Like on one hand, I'm telling you, they love tricks. Tricks is theirs. Tricks was a representation of of the valley, and so you'll always love and and have respect and cheer for him in in some capacity. But he's he's winning them with like one of your biggest rivals. It's got to be a difficult pill to swallow. But ultimately, I think people can respect that when Tricks was there, he laid it all out on the line every every time, you know. And so Tricks, I think for a while, might not have really loved the Suns the way a Suns fan loved Tricks because of the way it went down at the end there. He takes a lot of shit to heart too. He takes a lot of things to heart. That's what makes him who he is. But the For way sure. it went down at the end of that, when we still felt like we were in a good window of time and certainly him, Steve and Amari, like the pieces, you know, I was interchangeable. Some of the pieces around the perimeter were, but those three, I think there was still a lot of tread on, on that trio. And, you know, they made that move and he was the one that moved. I don't know that he identified as a son for a long time. I think he was probably a little salty if you ask him about that. But ultimately, you, you, when you grow up in a place and they watch you rise to a level of stardom and they've, you've come through their system doing that, that's who you are, man. That was this morning. I got up a little early and I was just watching just the, uh, just the response uh, from uh, Portland to Dame. And it was interesting. They let out the whole red carpet. Not just the uh, Blazers, but like Adidas too because Adidas has a campus now in Portland. And they unveiled like the Damian Lillard building, right? And mm-hmm. it just felt like a huge rollout for Dame to celebrate the man, right? 
And even like he had like a, a pregame press conference, which is kind of unheard of for like a star player on the other team to have a pregame. Like even if he's returning, to, he talked for 20 minutes to the local media and then talked after the game. Right. So yeah. there was just this groundswell support from the organization in the city. And I remember a couple of years ago to like connect this to Kevin. Um, you know, I asked him just about like I asked him that question of, you know, it just seems like, you know, you I'm paraphrasing my questioning, but. Um, where do you belong? And he said he belonged to all these different places and OKC has to retire his jersey and Golden State has to and and in Brooklyn, which get which you make a face towards. Um and yeah. uh and nah. immediately after the story was published, the one on Kevin, uh Sam Presti was seen saying, Hey, we welcome back everybody that was a thunder. Once a thunder, always a thunder at a at a team banquet. How important is that? to have a good relationship with the faces of your franchises, no matter what kind of franchise you have, but specifically when you're on the level of a Dame and a KD um, and a LeBron is another person, you know, Steph, all these types of people. How important is it to have a line of communication with these people and also just a bridge to these all-time greats? They're your ambassadors, man. Like, it's, it's, it's huge. I mean, they're your connection to a lot of things, to a fan base, to people's to people's memory banks, you know, like, you know, different fans would connect to different greats because they were theirs in, the, in their era and their window of, of their super fandom. And so I think it's huge for organizations to at least extend, extend the invitation and try to be on, you know, really good terms with their future greats. Now it's not always reciprocated. I think sometimes, again, the way your tenure somewhere ends will, will have an impact on what that relationship is like for a while. but. Time heals all wounds, and certainly over the course of that, you know you do you do what you can to repair the relationship and welcome them welcome them back and let them know that it wasn't forgotten. Like this isn't a chapter of history that we're gonna like black out, man. This happened, and we respect it, and we love you for it. and And I think that's a that's a that's a great way to connect. Those guys are your ambassadors. I would just say this, and I maybe I'm going backwards in the conversation, but I want to. It's a weird thing. With KD, I don't know him really well. I mean, I know him to dap him up and shoot the shit just a little bit, but I don't know him great. Um, but he doesn't seem to connect with the fan base in a way that Dane connected with the fan base in Portland. I don't have the answer as to why that is. Like, I don't think there's any magic connection pill. Um, and it could just be the length of time that Dane was in one place versus Kevin kind of moving around a little bit. Sh- certainly got nothing to do with ability or, or what kind of human being you are or anything like that in terms of whether you're a good person or not. But some people just are more, are more open to being vulnerable in a way that connects them. You know, I think just being around him, just uh, like covering him and stuff. I think the biggest thing is I think golden state after that, he started like building a wall up uh, just from him and the right. cities that he's in. I think that that was more of the case, right? Where like he would, I don't know like his community efforts or anything like that. I just know just even just, seen him even in Brooklyn and also you got to also think like a pandemic he could wasn't able to like touch the people oh sure the time in Brooklyn as well. yeah um but he did he had he was a little bit more closed off I think after Golden State and I'm curious to see like how he is in Phoenix even more I've only seen him once but that was early but I will say that like in OKC you know he was I think that was the biggest I think that was the biggest example of him being in the community I think even after the tornadoes he was out there I think once he left there, it was a bit different in how he he was in the community. Uh, and that's a huge step 
when you are talking about relationships to organizations and cities. Well, absolutely. That's what I'm saying is being open in a way that people can see your vulnerability at times, right? And you can, you know, that's important for for humanizing athletes. And we put them on pedestals and they're superheroes and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, you know, you connect with someone who you can see their humanity sometimes, right? And it's not always that vision of this, you know, immortal being. And so, you know, interestingly that you said that, um, I think Phoenix is a lot like OKC in that the market itself is easy to be a star in. And I don't, I shouldn't say easy, right? And then again, I'm saying it from, from being adjacent to a star. I was not the star, but it's not a New York. It's not a Brooklyn. It's not an LA. It's not a San Francisco. It's a more cool, chill kind of vibe. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like the town itself lends, lends itself to you can hide in bl- Phoenix. blending in. Yeah. You can blend yep. in and just go about your business in a way that you can't in other places. And so it will be interesting to see, you know, how a personality like KD can, can maneuver and whether he connects to them in a way that, that he may not have in other places. And also like, I think Phoenix has this balance and I feel I've been to fucking Phoenix. I think just so many times over the last three years, it's like every spring go to Phoenix. Um, but <laughs> What I've noticed is you, Phoenix, they have like a balance of that, which you say of just treating their stars well, but also like loving them to death. Like there's, you guys are just so passionate just about um, your stars and your teams. I think it's just, I, I really think the Suns are a sleeping giant when it comes to just down the line. And I'm here to see what Matt Ishbia does with um, this, this, this new regime. But one of the things that I think he's doing really well is he's bringing you guys back. You know, he's, he's inviting you guys back. You know, Steve is, is, is uh, Nash is an integral part of just bringing people back and just being around and just going to games. You know, you now you go to Phoenix Suns games, you see Steve Nash courtside, you know, like yeah. that wouldn't have happened three, four years ago, even after he was retired, that just wouldn't. Um, and so it's good to see that. One other thing is like, I think I see that a lot when we talked about KD and, you know, just the connection to a city like or lack of late in his career. I see that a lot with LeBron in LA right now, you know, like just he's, he's LeBron and he just happens to play for the Lakers. Right. And I think a lot of that has to do with just the, the separation of the player. And I'm not to say he hasn't had moments as a Laker. He won a title there. He, he has had, he, he has been that, but just from just the just seeing like his impact around the city, it's just not as felt as someone that you would want to see um, as a Laker. And I don't feel like he's opened up in the same way as like the other people in that organization, you know, in all these ways. And I think that 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 might hurt him late, late in late in his career or late, well, like when he wants to come back. You know, he's not going to be he's always going to be a Laker, but he's just not going to be as loved as maybe he would want it to be in a place because he hasn't opened up in a city like that. You know, the Lakers are kind of one of those franchises that may be more used to the star coming there at a it's point in his career star. to win more championships and respecting that. They may be positioned better as a fan base to to appreciate that than other fan bases because it happens, right? It's a destination. People want to go to LA to play. It's, it's happened before. So I think that he's better positioned with that fan base to be able to do that than most other ones. I, I do think though that Something that I have been saying the whole pod goes into like Kobe. You, you, you're never going to be Kobe there. You're never going to be Magic there. Those those dudes were Lakers from the start. You know they they grew up. People watched them. You know ascend to the throne. They don't know in, him in any in other way. uniform, 
Right. So like they're theirs. Um, I would also say, you know, interestingly, what goes into it is like where you are as a person in your personal life when you get there, mm. how much time you have to do that. LeBron, LeBron has, man, kids, man. Like he's watching Bronny hoop. He's a part of that. He's with Bronny on the circuit. Now it's Bryce and he's up and you want to be around with that and be at his games. And, you know, you got Suri and, and she's got stuff going on. Forgive me. I don't know exactly what she got going on, but I'm sure he's ever, he's present at all of that stuff. And so you're, you're just at a different point. Like he's got business ventures that he's probably handling and flying around, taking meetings. And it just doesn't afford you the same amount of time to be accessible to that community. Yeah. Because he's at a different point in, in not only career, but in life. But again, you got one chip. If you could figure out a way to get a second chip, oh, he'll be a Laker. Hey, I'm not going to lie. He's a Laker. But I feel what you're saying. Just like a Laker. Like a Laker. Yeah. Yeah. Let him get another one, though. He's throwing sublims. He's trying to get one. It's that time of year right now. LeBron's throwing mm. sublims. Raja, and the, when when it's when you've been a, you've been uh, during around subtweet LeBron when when LeBron send him subtweets and, the, and subliminals is it tense in the lot in the in the uh, in the locker room and in, in the franchise like what what is it like when when LeBron throws him limbs? Um, that can be very unsettling. That can be very unsettling. <laughs> you look at your phone like fuck. There's a level of nervousness that's coursing through the the arteries of the building when when that's happening. Everyone trying to fit. What's that? What? What's he talking about? What's he talking? I mean, who's he talking about? <laughs> Where? What direction should we be looking in? What can we do? Like there, that's what it does. But that's what it's meant to do. <laughs> I wish somebody asked him a question about his tweets. Like we're at the time now with which is in in life where we know what the game is and he knows what the game is. Just be like, hey, bro, why you do that? I seen you do yeah. it. Why you do it? Fuck. Yeah. Like what you what, trying to say? What exactly are you trying to say, LeBron? Christian Woods, like you trying to trade me, bro? Yeah. Well, say it. Then say it. <laughs> He's like, okay, I'm trying to trade you. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. I don't know. It's going to be fun. It's going to be interesting. Um, let's take a quick break. I want to get Roger's opinion on something pertinent in the league. This episode is brought to you by Sonic. Fuel up for game day and any day, really, at Sonic. For a limited time, you can get the new $1.99 Sonic Crispy Tinder Wraps. And trust me, you don't want to miss out. A crispy chicken tender and bold flavors like hickory barbecue and cheesy Baja. Crisp lettuce and melty cheese that make the perfect bite. So go get yourself some TLC, some tender love and chicken. And buy a $1.99 Sonic Crispy Chicken Tender Wrap today. Tax not included. Limited time only at participated Sonic drive-ins. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games... It's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes, you know, we're in Florida. We'll be in New York. We want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away. Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side by side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. FanDuel's putting the ball in your court for the rest of the NBA season because right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. That's 200 bucks if your bet wins. So tonight, my bets, Pacers, Knicks, I'm going to take the over. I think they're going to be a lot of points scored in that. And Boston, minus 11 and a half against the Lakers. I think I'm going to take the Lakers with the points. So visit FanDuel.com slash NBA and make your first bet a layup. FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NBA. 
Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com slash RG. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. All right. We didn't get a chance to uh, go down the rundown with Raja. Um, so we're just going to go. Raja, the 65 game rule um, has... It's gotten a lot of scrutiny, which we kind of thought it was. I feel like we were going to have a, another pod. I was waiting to just like, I was waiting to you know, have a discussion on this. Probably waited too long. I was probably like a couple of weeks ago. I was like, yo, what do we think about this? How's it going to affect things? But now we're at a, a fever pitch. We have hit a crescendo. Joel Embiid, who is injured, has an injured knee, who has had an injured knee um, for the last few weeks. Um, it took, kept him out of the game against, uh, the Nuggets, because he said he couldn't jump. But he's up against the 65-game threshold. It's only February. He only has, like I think, five games to miss before he he misses out on eligibility for the MVP. Playing really well, has great stats. Um, Golden State, in Golden State, he re-injured that knee, re-aggravated the knee injury. And I was at the game, Raja. It didn't look great. Um, He's not playing tonight or whatever against Utah. Um, He's going back to Philly to get that reevaluated. Um, I was at the game. It doesn't look like it's something that's gonna that's that's going going to just heal up really quickly. Um, and by all intents and purposes, he's probably going to miss out on that MVP, right? And um, it's gotten a lot of uh, scrutiny. The the new league rule. What is the balance that the uh, we always talk about balance on this podcast? What is the balance the NBA needs to both keep players on the floor while also um, respecting their their injury history and making sure they're healthy for, honestly, the time that you actually need them, which is the playoffs. Because this injury from Embiid has huge ramifications if he's hurt for a, not just the MVP, but just like the sixth season in general. Players' health and safety should always be a priority. And I, I don't think that the rules should be punitive um, in a way that would, in some instances, entice a dude to get out there and play through something that could be worse just to make sure that they met the threshold. And people would say, well, who the hell would do that? Like, well, you know, if if you had a first team all NBA riding on it and you were up for an extension and it would allow you to get the super max, you know, I forgive my math and I don't know the CBA, but that's a lot of millions of dollars. Like you might do that. Do you know what I mean? Even it might not be about a championship at that point. It might be just about being eligible for a contract. And so, I don't I don't think that the rules should be punitive in that way because the only thing that heals some of these injuries, you know, is is time. You know, I mean, it's not the only thing, but one of the major factors in healing some of these, you know, lingering injuries, something like, you know, if Joel Embiid doesn't have any real terrible structural damage, but there's just swelling in the knee and he can't get it out. Well, the only, you know, you can you can put a syringe in there and pull out whatever fluid you want, but the knee tells you when you're able to get back out there. It's going to let you know. Now, the problem is that, that, that you know, the, the rest, you know, resting guys just because was abused. This isn't a player. I've said this isn't a player issue. This is a front office ownership medical staff issue. That's who this was created by. Mm-hmm. It wasn't created by the players not playing. So putting in the rules to penalize the players and, and have them, maybe have to forfeit, you know, honors and 
and awards and and therefore maybe have to take less of a salary because of that, just because they were injured, like playing, you know, earnestly trying to chase the championship and just having a freak injury. Like, I don't think that's fair. I don't have the right answer, but I'll tell you, like, it has to be in place because people were just completely abusing the, the, you know, the rest situation. Just, Hey man, we're not going to play a guy scratch him for a, for a finger. It's a national TV game. You're trying to sell TV rights and streaming rights. People have, people are paying flex pricing on tickets now. So instead of paying, I don't even know what an NBA ticket costs now, but let's say it's a hundred bucks regularly, but, but I got Wemby coming into town. I paid four fifty for the fucking ticket and Wemby yep. ain't playing because he got a toenail. Yeah. Like and that then was all, abused. Like, yeah. <laughs> because like, here's another thing, man. Like, this is just like, well, people, I think league people and these people, I think we've gotten away from this in general, but I remember, and you were a kid once, Raj, it was a long, long time ago, but like when you were a kid, and I know this when I was a kid, like you'd get the schedule, you'd see when your favorite teams are coming, and you get the schedule in August, September, you'd see when your favorite team, like in my case, it was Kobe, when he was coming to town, that might be, it could be like we were in the Bay, so it was like op- maybe opening night one of these years, or maybe like in January or something, you get the tickets right there, right? Because that's what mm-hmm. cheapest it's going to be. And then, like, I'd be so pissed if, like, he just didn't play, right? Like, if he just did not do it. Like, LeBron, for instance, is coming to – went to Atlanta the other week. And LeBron is – typically, he wants to play for most of the time, right? Like, he, he'll he play if he can do it. But, like, courtside tickets was going, like, for 10 Gs. Imagine if you paid 10 Gs a ticket to go see LeBron, right? And up in the lead-up, he's like, nah, I'm cool. I'm chilling. Well, well look, here's the deal. I'd, no, I'd be I'd be furious. Number one, to answer your pissed. question, I'd be furious if it wasn't like really injured. Like 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 he wasn't really injured. If he was just like no, you know. But, just, but what I'm saying to you is that's not. Look, I've been game time decision. This is as earnest and genuine as I can be. Game time decision out there warming up to the naked eye. It would probably look like I could play because I just warmed up. If you were there yeah. when I got off that second bus and I went out there and got my warm up, you'd be like, he looked fine. But I'm saying to the trainer, like, man, I feel that pull. Like, I, I, I know it, I, I'm like 75%, but if I make the wrong move and I am like just out there kind of, you know, off schedule and I, I make some kind of spontaneous move and I'm not guarding against pulling that groin again, I'm going to pull it and now I'm back three weeks. That happens. While I would still be furious that my 10000 per seat was blown to see LeBron, if he had a situation like that, I, I, that's just the price of doing business, right? Like, gotta I, respect I, it. Gotta respect it. The one I don't like, so I, what I'm saying is, again, this isn't a player. LeBron doesn't do that. LeBron doesn't do that right before a game unless it's it's a real, hey, man, this doesn't feel, this doesn't feel good. What, what started happening, I've told this story before, what started happening was medical staffs and data became so dialed into having an athlete at his optimum performance level and the workload that an athlete has and at what point that athlete would eventually break down that they were able to furnish front offices with the data in a way that would suggest that Logan has to take these nights off. And so when that started becoming accessible, people started telling players, hey, you're sitting out. Hey, you're, you're sitting out. Now, the genesis of it could have been pop just being ahead of the curve and saying, we're going to rest guys. We're going to rest guys. It's more important to win championships. We're going to rest them. But by the time I got to Cleveland, I was telling LeBron James from David Griffin, hey, you're going to take, we're on the plane, LeBron. We're going to Indiana. LeBron doesn't have any 
like LeBron doesn't know that he's not playing tomorrow night. It's a back-to-back. I remember it vividly. LeBron's on the plane thinking he's going to play in Indiana. I get a call as I'm sitting there. We're about to take off. And he's like, hey, man, we don't think it's a good idea that LeBron, you know, plays tomorrow night in Indiana. He's got to take a night off. You know, he's had a heavy workload. Let him know that he won't be playing tomorrow. What is his response to that? Check. Got it. I mean, he's a professional. So like, yeah, I got it. Cool. No problem. That's the culture that we have created now. That's what it is, right? And so like way too often we we aim our target at players like it's a player saying, hey, man, I'm chilling, dog. I'm making whatever amount of millions. I don't want to play tonight. I'm not saying that's not the case sometimes for, you know, some, some, you know, some people have more integrity than others. Right. But a lot of players want to play. They understand the the contract. They understand what they're there to do. Part of that is winning championships and balancing that and health can be difficult at times, but way more often than not, it's an organizational decision that's coming from the medical staff. That's coming from the front office, you know, sitting down and collaborating with the medical staff and then running that up you know, the, the pertinent flagpoles and getting the sign off that, yeah, we're going to sit him here, 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 and here. It's it, so you're in essence, the, in your opinion, the, the players are getting scapegoated in this whole like kind of scenario, right? Like they're the ones that are, that are getting like, even with Joel Embiid, this is why it's It's, it's whack. Uh, or at least like 65 games is, 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 is tough. Like it's just an arbitrary number, right? Like also it, it I think we're going to get into a just for this alone. Like we could do. I don't think we need the, the the sixty-five game threshold necessarily. There are other measures where you can be like, "Yo, he needs to be like, he needs to at least show proof that he is actually injured." For we can do this, right? And there, but there has to be more nuance. To this, in my opinion, right? Because I don't like it was. It was good to see Joel play in person earlier this uh, earlier this week. But like, I don't want to see a hobbled. I don't want to see. A, he was he. He looked awful, bro. He couldn't even get off the floor. He was four of 16, like midway through the third, right? Like he was visibly hobbled. I don't want to see that shit. And I know like the consumer doesn't want to see that, but that's what you're going to end up getting um, even more as the, uh, as this continues to go. And I'm sure that the NBA is looking into this and I'm sure there's going to be some changes. They have to. Because you'll be, you're going to shoot yourself in the foot doing that. Eventually the NBA that is. Because yeah. one of these dudes is going to do what Joel Embiid did. He's going to say, "Hey, man, look, this is way too important to my fi- my family's legacy. Mm-hmm. I've got I've got this on the line. I got to get these sixty five games. He's going to run his ass out there, slightly injured or impaired, let's say, or at minimum, you know, not feeling great, and he's going to get substantially hurt because of it. And then you then you've shot yourself in the foot." Or on another level, right? Like you got the uh, the MVP, right? Which is like the threshold or whatever, right? Say if like fucking Joel Embiid, which right now I'd, I'd say he's probably the front runner to MVP. Say if he's like been the front runner all season, but he plays sixty four games, you gonna tell me you gonna give it to the second place person? That's whack as right. fuck. That's so weak. Like yeah. that's, <laughs> and then you're gonna have like think about it. Like if like all if there was an MVP case, right, and all four candidates played 64 games and you just gave it to somebody that had and there no was a, and there was a huge gap between four and five right like you're saying exactly four people in tier one and everyone else is tier three and none of them can get it <laughs> and none of them can get it Roger Bell go, walks away with a fucking MVP <laughs> <laughs> Roger Bell's immortalized he <laughs> averaged 19 MVP. and five on a contract year but he somehow got MVP 75% you take that, of the league hey. was disqualified and here I sit <laughs> yes sir <laughs> 
Hey, I know this though. You get the MVP, you taking that in negotiations in that contract year though. Uh, shit. I was fucking MVP. I was not, fucking an MVP. Not just figuratively, but the trophy's going to the table with us. Like, what's up? Straight what's up? Yeah. But that's gonna be whack though. Like there needs to be, and I'm sure that there is a way to do both, right? Like you have to, I think that there's ways to say on a game by game basis, without the threshold of 65 games, it's on a game by game basis. You just have to show more proof that, Man. hey, this dude is seriously injured. Because I saw Joel at Chase Center. That dude was hobbling. He was, it was I didn't want to watch him play basketball. I, bro, I didn't Get even his see ass the, off the floor. I didn't see the warmups, but it's funny that you say that because I watched the first five plays of him. And had already made that assessment. Like, I didn't know the backstory because I kind of, you know, I'm, I'm flying around and shit going on. And I sit down on the couch. I just tap into the game. So I didn't even know that he was that he was hurt. But my eyes told me immediately, like, no, he don't. He doesn't look at that first shot. Do you remember the first shot of that game that he shot? That y'all? I was yeah. like, oh, what? It, mm, that if the look man good. says he can't jump, believe him. Yeah, straight up. Right. But, that, he said, but I don't even know how you do that, Logan. This is a long conversation. Like. You got independent doctors. There's got to be all kind of shit involved when you're talking about proof of injury. Like, I don't even know how you do that. Figure it out because we're in a... Because Joel's not getting MVP this year. It's yeah. not going to happen because the rules are the rules right now. He's not yeah, going to get tough. it. And that's going to be a, that's gonna be that, a shame, right? And also, tough. we're in February. More players can, like, you know, get... Because I, I've said this time and time again. The MVP is not a matter of stats. It is a matter of narrative. And what your narrative is throughout that season and what us because you know as writers we love a good story whatever a good story is if we can sell that story as an mvp that's what we're gonna get it's more than that than stats we don't really care about um as voters and i'm not a voter yet but like we care we don't care about the stats necessarily we care about the narrative and why this person should get it and how we can convince someone that this person deserves this award and a whole paragraph worth of storytelling, honestly, mm-hmm. what it is. Right. And um, so we can get to that point uh, with another player because it's, it's that early, but as the rules stand now in about a week or so, Joel's probably not going to even be eligible to get it. And that's yeah, a shame. And, that, and that's a shame. We'll see what happens. Um, Anything else, Raj? Anything else on um, that's getting on your nerves in the NBA right now? Anything you want to like just get off your chest? Are you are you are you are you pissed off about anything? Nope, nope. I think I'm in a good place right now. Wow, that's really yeah. wow. It's really wholesome of you. I'm approaching things more from a positive lens now. I don't believe that. I just believe you just don't have anything. It could be that too. It could, it could be. It could be that. I don't know. I choose I, in in my positivity. I choose to see it the other way, sir. So. Mm-hmm. Okay, we'll see. We'll we'll get. I'll give it time. I think you have. I think you can do it. <laughs> <laughs> How long will this last? I don't know. It's Thursday. Roger has to get the hell out of here. But first, mm. we have a little segment that we like to do called Real One of the Week. Uh, Roger, you can go first because I have no idea who I'm going to pick at this very moment in time. Who is your Real One of the Week? Yeah, well, it's still football season, right? It like, is it's still football is. season, and so you know, I watched all year long. And this one was bittersweet for me because, you know, I, I do pull for Lamar Jackson. He's from right up the street. Like I'm, I'm a, I'm a big Brown fan. County. Yeah. I'm a big fan of Lamar's, but Patrick Mahomes is my real one of the week. And the reason why is because he's just fucking great, man. Um, this year was a struggle for the chiefs. It was a struggle. Like they had issues across the board. Pat, Pat had his own issues. The receiving core had their issues. 
There was a lot of things. Um, the Swifties the had their issues. I mean, yeah, there, there's a lot going on there, right? And it looked like of all the years to get Kansas City, that this was the year. They were ripe for the taking, especially, you know, in, in that AFC. It still remains to be seen in the Super Bowl, but someone else should have probably come out of there, except Kansas City has Patrick Mahomes. And yep. it, 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 he just does what he does. And, and it might not always look the same. Like he is just brilliant in that sometimes it's fireworks and left-handed passes and no looks and scrambling and just flipping it up the sideline. Sometimes it looks flashy like that. And sometimes it's surgical and protect the hell out of the football and we beat you. And he can just give it to you how you want it. And for that reason, real one of the week. That's what's up, man. Now, I would like to know that uh, Mahomes did lose to the Oakland, Las Vegas, Los Angeles Raiders on Christmas Day. But, you know, that, <laughs> hey, Rasheed Wallace, I don't know if you're listening to this play, but you was talking a lot of shit um, when we had you on the program about uh-huh. your Chiefs. And I'm sure you're going to win a championship. But, hey, you didn't yeah, have think, a good Christmas. You I didn't have gonna, a good football Christmas. I think he's going to have the last laugh, though, Logan. I mean, I know. I know. You take your Christmas Day miracle if you want it, but... It's fine. I am going to take it. That's all, all right, I got. Clearly. That's all I got. That's all I got. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to give it to Eminem because what he did, even in defeat, he went to the Bay and he flipped off a lot of Niners fans. And that's that was like Christmas to me. It was like a second Christmas. Well, I'll have that forever. Two so, Christmas miracles. Yeah. yeah you know, <laughs> and, you know, I, I it's such it's such. I don't even, as a Raider fan, this is tough. The Super Bowl's tough, man. That's all I have to say. Because one of either the Niners or Pat Mahomes is going to win in our building. <laughs> like, that's, that's tough. tough. That's that tough. tough. Yeah. That's tough. So, I mean, I guess I'm just going to give, you know, because of how I feel about that, I'm just going to give it to Eminem because he embodied what I felt about all that, giving a double bird to those fans, you know? Double bird um, to the fans while you're there and there's, that's a re- in, their, in their building. That's a real one. You can only do that, though, in San Francisco or Santa Clara because there's a lot of fan bases would not allow that shit. Yeah, you ain't doing that in Philly. Security or no. (laughs) Security or not. You're not doing that in Oakland, Mm. you know, back in the Coliseum. Mm. You're not going to do that there. Um, You could do that (laughs) in Levi's because... Not the toughest fan base. Um, I'm right, getting all no. my shit because I have nothing all left. Right. I have nothing left. So I'll tell all my Fillmore Niner fans, you know, I'm on my Bayview Hunters Point Niner fan. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about the wine and cheese um, variety yeah, that we right. have in the in the Silicon Valley. Okay? You walk, y'all you know walking, who y'all are. You walk those you know streets I mean? every day, bro. You better watch out. I'm walking a thin line. I'm going to be all right. It's all good. I'm going to be all right. All right. A little uh, programming note. We only have, I'm going to be on the road next week, so we only have one uh, real ones. Um, motherfucking Mondays um, live from the East Coast. Really excited about that. Love East Coast real ones because I, I get to live a little bit of Raj's life where, you know, he has a whole day gone by before he even has to do the pod. Fresh. Uh, <laughs> fresh. Um, as opposed to like, I'm literally waking up on the West Coast. Literally waking up as I'm doing this pod. So, you know, next week, only motherfucking Mondays. With uh, with uh, Howard motherfucking back. Make sure that you um, tap into our mailbag every Monday. So tap in right now as you're hearing it right now. Real ones mailbag at gmail.com. Ask me and Raja anything. Um, Howard too. And Howard, uh, mm-hmm. make, make sure that you um, you uh, you send in your questions for us to answer and um, 
Yeah, that's all I got right now. We have 47 minutes. I stretched this far away. Raj is literally leaving. He's not. He hasn't even sent in the sound. He's literally leaving the pod right now. So, gotta go. Um, talk <laughs> to you all Monday. Bye. <laughs>